welcome to Red Couch Manx. I'm Vivek Jacob, and we usually have Carl Mascarenas, but unfortunately, because this was a day match against Real Sociedad, he is not with us. Thankfully, I was able to find someone who has sports and soccer as his day job. Michael Singh, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? Happy to be here, and you know, I gotta fill some big shoes here without Carl here. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Uh, we are here to recap United's 4-0 win over Real Sociedad in the first leg of the round of 32. Bruno Fernandez with two goals in the 27th and 57th minute, Rashford in the 64th, and Daniel James finishing things off in the 90th minute. Overall, I thought this was a much needed performance. Uh, you look at the losses to you look at the loss to Sheffield United, the draw with WBA, the draw with Arsenal. Obviously, there was the 9-0 win over Southampton that was squeezed in there. But it just feels like overall United have been in a bit of a lull after the highs of being at the top of the table. Yeah, honestly, it put some more faith back back into us. almost restored some of our faith because, like you said, it, it was a little bit of a lull. And if you look at the Premier League, we're, we're sitting back 10 points now when, you know, it was really in, in our grip, United's grip, uh, like, a, like a month ago, if not less than that, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, great to see them come out when it matters, because that's, that's always been a question if, you know, if, if something's on the line, can United show up? And today they did, and they, they did their job. And yeah, it's, I'm happy, I told you this before, but I'm happy to come on here and talk about a win instead of, you know, venting about a loss. Yeah, it's fitting that you're here for this one because the last time you were on, United lost to Istanbul away and that pretty much derailed their Champions League campaign. So it's fitting <laughs> that you're here for the start of the Europa. Much better. Looking looking at the match, Sociedad come out in a 4-3-3. They're playing the press. They're playing this high line with uh, Lenormand and Zubeldia at the back. Did it surprise you? Did you feel like it played pretty much right into United's hands? Yeah, absolutely. And I think United's MO, they they feed off the counterattack. And I think we see this when then they go up against top sides. Is they're really good at, you know, hanging back. And when the opportunity's right, you have players with pace and players that are willing to get on the end of balls. And, and you have a Marcus Rashford and a Bruno even willing to make, make runs through the middle. That, that's a, a recipe for... for disaster if you're Sociedad pressing that high up the field because at the end of the day Sociedad isn't a team like a let's even say a Liverpool or a Barcelona or or, Real Madrid who can you know manage that and sustain that pressure against a quality opposition like Man United so uh, you know United did what they had to do they made them pay and no complaints from me (laughs) (laughs) no complaints whatsoever United themselves came in uh, with the usual setup uh, that we've seen, the four-two-three-one, uh, Henderson ca- came in for David De Gea. You had Eric Bailly finally making a return for Victor Lindelof. It was nice to see him back. Alex Telles got the start ahead of Luke Shaw. Mason Greenwood came in for Edinson Cavani, and you had Daniel James coming in for Anthony Marshall. Now we talked about United being able to get out on that counter early on it felt like United were being wasteful and there were several opportunities that they had to score. And Rashford in particular was probably the biggest culprit. There was the chance he had inside the first five minutes where he's in close range and the keeper is able to save with his feet. Then again, in the 19th minute after a great through ball from Alex Tellez to Bruno Fernandez, Fernandez cuts it back to Rashford to run onto. 
And again, it, it just looked like he wasn't really paying attention to what the keeper was doing. It was just, I'm going to get to the ball and I'm going to hit it. And then whatever happens, happens. I think that's something that has been a bit of a trend with him. Carl and I have gone back and forth about this for a few episodes. So I definitely want to get a fresh take. How do you view Marcus Rashford as a finisher? That's an interesting question. When you phrase it like that, it's it's interesting to think about because Marcus Rashford, he, he's a type of player that creates more chances than most people. So when you do see him obviously miss miss a chance, he should be finishing like in the, in the fifth minute there earlier today when he broke in behind and the, the keeper made, made the save. More times than not, you expect Radford to finish that and, and people remember that, that that sticks with you. Does he have work to do on his finishing? Absolutely. But sometimes we also quick to forget that he, he's 23 years old. How good is his finishing going to be when he's 25, 26 years old? It's almost sometimes it's an acquired taste for for these guys who are really athletic and who have just are used to, you know, dominating physically growing up through through the ranks and, you know, finishing kind of as that last step that's added to your game to, you know, round out your ability, I guess, your potential. The keepers that Rashford's face growing up isn't aren't keepers that you see on the world stage right now. So does he have to get better at his finishing? Yes. Will it get there? I absolutely believe it will. If that sort of helps answer your that that question interesting no i hear that hey listen we want to get fresh takes and so with rashford you know the things i would say that i kind of see as a positive for him to improve on in the long term is the mistakes he's making are very fixable right so the two biggest things i look at is again when a ball come comes into him show that offensive awareness where your peripheral vision is able to take in what the keeper is doing, where the defender is coming from, and that is going to help you get a better shot off. Number two, I would say, is just developing that left foot. Because every time now, a defender knows that he wants to cut it back onto his right, and we see him chopping back time and time again. Mm -hmm. When he develops that left foot, it's going to create better opportunities for him. So those two things I feel like are such easy fixes over time yeah but it does take that time though it does take that time and exactly like yeah we're looking i want to, to bring this up as well but we're looking across the field and we're looking at adnan yanazai and he is 26 years old now and he looks like a completely different player than the the, the kid that united had you know he looked mm-hmm. like he was more his stature was there his, his composure was there he looked like he had minutes under his belt and sometimes I think we forget how young this United team really is. And I think we can relate that to, you know, a Marcus Rashford, a Mason Greenwood, and the list goes on and on. But just to, to round out Rashford's finish, like, like you said, there, there are things that he can, he can definitely fix. I, I think he can just become a, a more confident finisher sometimes. He has the right idea sometimes, but it's just the execution just isn't there. And like you said, I think he can become a lot more aware of what's around him. Sometimes he, he gets a little selfish because he is he is that good and he does believe in himself that much. But sometimes he, he does pass up the better option to perhaps take on poorer effort of his own. So a couple of things he can work on. But I mean, we're, we're talking about one of the greatest young talents in, in all of football and one of the greatest young attackers in all of football. So, you know, we're, we're picking at picking at hairs there. I agree. I agree. I agree yeah. for sure. I, I I think, you know, it, it's just for me, I look at him long term as, you know, can he get to a level of 
players who are in his position at the top of the game. And I look at a Raheem Sterling, I look at a Sadio Mane, I look at Eden Hazard when he was over at Chelsea. Ideally, in the long term, that's where you'd project him to get to. I got him way better than that. I got him way better than a Raheem Sterling, a Sadio Mane. I, I honestly think Marcus Rashford is the closest thing, and I've, I've said this in the past, but he's the closest thing that Manchester United have to a Cristiano Ronaldo than Cristiano Ronaldo since he's been here. It, it comes with his style of play, his I, it just get down to like the, his stature, his ability to take defense, his ability to kind of do it all. Um, obviously, he's not anywhere close to where CR seven, you know, was or you know the the level he was producing at. But I really do think, in in terms of where like world football right now, he's he's close. So that that's a that's a really hot take. So you think his ceiling is Cristiano Ronaldo level? Like. His ceiling is closer to Cristiano Ronaldo level than it is to uh, Raheem Sterling. I think it's above a Raheem Sterling, probably slightly below a, a Cristiano Ronaldo level. And that's no disrespect to CR7. It's just more so testament to Marcus Rashford and how good I think he has all the tools. If he has the pace, he has the composure, he has the dribbling ability, he has the... Like, even we saw today, he's added a bit of the passing, you know, that that's been... Uh, question mark about his game but I think he's he's adding that to his game he's showing growth year by year by year and he's 23 and I still think the best is is ahead of him and he he's grown up playing in in the Premier League in England it's a different league than, than other leagues where you know youngsters usually get to thrive it's a tougher league you can argue so I, I still think the best of Mark Rashford is to come and I'm excited that's a big take. That's a big take. But we like to keep it spicy here on Red Couch Manx. You mentioned his passing. We can get into that again. Sociedad getting caught out with those through balls, with those balls over the top. And Rashford played a ball over the top in the 27th minute that Bruno ran onto. A bit of miscommunication uh, between the defenders and the keeper that leads to the ball just basically being begged to get blasted into the net by Bruno. And he does so. But again, credit to Rashford playing the type of ball that creates that indecision and recognizing Bruno's run on that occasion. Bruno, there he is, right place, right time, gets the goal. It's such a it was kind of like a Bruno goal, you know. It just if something's gonna fall wrong and if something's gonna happen, it's gonna fall to the feet for some reason. It's gonna be Bruno Fernandez on the end of it, and <laughs> of course, it was Bruno on the end of that. And credit to him because he still had work to do on that finish. And he, he did it well, tucked it away. He had other options. He could have played it across, but he said, no, I'm going to take this myself and confidently tucked it away. And uh, I mean, we can go on a rant about, about Bruno Fernandes, but what I will say is the first time that I saw him play for sporting, I texted my friend immediately and I'm like, yeah, this, this guy's really good. Like, we we got to get this guy. And this was back when he was around like 40 million pounds. And it wasn't because of what I know now. It was just because of his sheer ability. I thought he had a really good touch. He was kind of different. He's kind of like a hybrid player. But what he's brought to United, the intangibles, I can't put into words. He's he's brought a he's brought the culture back. He's he's reinvigorated the rest of the squad. He demands more from the rest of the squad. And there isn't a price tag that you can put on what Bruno Fernandes has done because he's honestly brought United back. That's not a, a statement that I say lightly because this team hasn't been the same since the Sir Alex Ferguson era and Bruno Fernandes is, is making this a case to be something close to that at least. 
and from a United fan perspective, that that's all you could ask. That's all you wanted. No, but I, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Like, obviously, every time he's on the pitch, you see the world-class level that he's capable of. But the leadership, the intangibles that he brings to the table, he's always demanding the best of everyone. We saw later in the match, too, there was a chance where the ball comes all the way across to Mason Greenwood and he puts a shot wide. And right away, Bruno is telling him what he should be doing in that situation, right? Yeah. And it's, get the ball to me. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but in all, in, in all seriousness... When you're constantly demanding excellence from your teammates, but you're also playing at that level, yeah, then teammates have no choice but to respect it mm-hmm. and to try and live up to that level. Yeah, he backs it up, and that that's a very important point that you made there. He doesn't just just tell people what to do; he goes out and does it, and he leads by example. And yeah, it's it's fun. It's a fun time to have both Marcus Rashford and Bruno Fernandez at Manchester United, and I think they're going to be here for you know the next. next few years at least and Mm -hmm. that's really exciting to think about the future of this club someone i think who has grown in stature in terms of how we view his future at the club is harry Maguire, and i think when you looked at his first season there was a major adjustment coming from leicester city to manchester united Mm -hmm. the price tag that he came with he didn't live up to expectations let's be honest but i think the last couple of seasons, we've really seen a different Harry Maguire. I think he's really come on strong. Even though United were dominant in this match, there were some tricky phases that they had to deal with. I think of the 24th uh, minute when Isak is able to get away and Bailly does well to catch up with him, mm-hmm. but then it's Harry Maguire that gets in the sliding tackle, prevent you know a p- possible shot when he's pretty much right on the edge of the box. Then there was another intervention on a cross coming in in the 49th minute. That was crucial. He doesn't get a touch on that ball. Isak again is staring at the goal, asking for it to be in the back of the net. There was another one in the 38th minute where he basically slides all the way across and is able to block a shot. And so I think plays like that and just overall his commanding presence uh, in the box has really come on strong for United. And I think from an attacking front, we're seeing him improve as well. Those corners, those free kicks, he's really, you know, he would always get his head onto the ball, but now we're seeing it get on target. Uh And now we're seeing him really threaten the goal. And so overall, you know, just really happy with the strides he's made as a player. Yeah, and he he does deserve some praise because what I think he's done really well is he's settled in. He hasn't been too, too noticeable. And I think that's sort of what you want from someone like a Harry Maguire. Is, and it, honestly, to a certain extent, your center backs is you don't want people that are too frantic, making making a bunch of mistakes and people that you notice too much. You want people who are solid and, like you said, capable of you know being an offensive threat if, if called upon. And yeah, Harry Maguire is now attacking the ball with purpose in, in, in the attacking box. Like off corners, we see him a lot of times. He, he likes to get to that far post and he's made almost a home of it now, right? So I think that chemistry thing kind of comes into play where United United players now look now know what they're looking for at the back post in terms of Harry Maguire. Defensively, yeah, whichever center back seems to slot in next to him, they seem to, to enjoy it, and they seem to understand their positioning a little bit better because of him. He seems like a really stable presence at the back, and like I said, that's exactly what United's been, been needing for so long. We've been dying for a constant steady center back who's been able to stay healthy and been able to 
you know, consistently perform and you know what you're getting out of Harry Maguire day in, day out. So yeah, if this is the Harry Maguire we're getting, we can slot another, you know, really good center back next to him, then United have a have a core to work off. Now you mentioned the center back pairings. To me it's clear when Eric Bailly plays that those two really feed off each other mm-hmm. and they work really effectively. But the problem is Eric Bailly has been extremely injury prone. Mm-hmm. When he had that stretch where United were able to get to the top of the table and both of them are in the back, United looked great. And then obviously he goes out of the side and Victor Lindelof comes in and United don't look so great. I think there's a big difference between uh, Bailly's capabilities in terms of dealing with physicality compared to Victor Lindelof. And then just the way Bailly's athleticism complements Harry Maguire. Lindelof doesn't have that pace. Lindelof doesn't have that athleticism. It's a bit of a pickle for United because Bailly, for sure, if he could be healthy, I think you're looking at a long-term pairing at center back. But clearly, the track record shows that's not the case. So United, I think they have to go out and get a center back that they feel is more reliable uh, when the when the summer comes. Absolutely. And I think you know my feelings towards Eric Bailly is... I, mm-hmm. I honestly think that if when healthy, he could be he could be the best par- center back in the Premier League, and that's my honest opinion. If he had the ability to to stay healthy and stay on the pitch, get a consistent run of games, he has all the tools. It's interesting thinking about that Lindelof and Maguire versus Lind- versus Bailly and Maguire situation because Lindelof had a sort of test. I forget which match it was, but there was a big test coming up, and Lindelof slotted in, and he actually fared well. And from that point on, I feel like a lot of people sort of let down their guard in terms of, you know, the Bayi versus Lindelof debate. And also Bayi took him kind of himself out of it with the injuries. But you also have Tuan Zebi back there who, who's shown he's also capable and he's kind of a little bit closer to what Eric Bayi is. After that, that match where he actually did play, play fairly well, I think Lindelof dropped off and we kind of forgot about the standard, that which was Eric Bailly that he said, because like we said, Eric Bailly can't stay healthy. So like, United are in a pickle and they absolutely do have to buy another center back because it's just, it's not good enough going in another season with the expectations that you have it, of this kind of circus that you have back there between Lindelof and Bailly. Could Tuan Zebi perhaps step up and play a role too? Maybe but it doesn't look like United believe in him. And if they are going to go on the market, it doesn't look like they're going to be getting one of their, their first choices right now. I've seen them linked to someone like a Raphael Varane, which would be really cool. But I mean, come on. I think United are always linked to those, those bigger names. Um, if they can go and they can get a home run, sure. <sighs> it's, it's tough. It's tough thinking about it because there's so many different possibilities, but it's exciting because what we do know is that we have a core to work around. And we just need that one or two extra pieces. And there's a lot of different options they can go, but they, we do know that they need one. We can agree on that. Now, while the core is establishing itself, those players on the fringes and the squad rotation pieces, that's where you get to see if they can make an impression in a Europa League fixture, in sort of those cup competitions. And I thought Daniel James really made a good impression in this match. And, you know, the one thing you can always expect from James, even as an attacking player, is that he's always tracking back. He's always putting in a shift defensively. But to see him make the right decisions from an attacking front, the, the runs that he was able to time. Again, obviously, Sociedad sort of gifted that advantage to United by playing exactly how United want to play. Uh, but he did take advantage of it. and. 
There was the touch that he had to Bruno for the second goal in the 56th minute. It's easy to ignore that because of the finish that Bruno had. But let's face it, Bruno on the initial run is offside. Right. And so if James doesn't make that run, the play is just non-existent. So he makes that run. He gets that first touch when he's onside, which allows Bruno to then finish after. And then, of course, you know, he had a goal disallowed later uh, in, in the match. That was unfortunate because Greenwood was the one who was offside this, this time. Yeah. And then I was glad that finally James does get the goal for himself in the 90th minute. And that was, again, a really good run where he's getting the ball you know, pretty much near the halfway line and he uses that speed to jet all the way down and finish uh, himself. So I thought he made a really good impression in this match. Mm-hmm. Daniel James is always going to be a player that's useful for, for all the reasons that you listed. His, his, his work rate is his energy and he, he does possess a, a touch. He's, he's capable of, you know, playing in between the lines or he's capable of playing through the lines. And again, he is very young. I think what he's 21, 22 years old. Um, something again easy to forget and he did have to step up and, and prove something to, to Solskjaer because he had that opportunity earlier in the season he kind of took it for a little bit but then dropped off again so I think it's it's good that we're seeing him bounce back because we've seen a lot of times from players they their confidence drops and they can't get it back so um, Danny James on that on that goal that Bruno goal I think he had his head down ready to shoot that. And next thing you know, Bruno comes in, <laughs> buries it. But I mean, once you see it's Bruno, you can't complain about it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Especially yeah. when it's hitting the back of the net like it did. And I was really happy to see that rule the goal. I thought that was genius by Bruno because he, he timed that whole thing. He saw the touch coming. He timed his, his run. He bent his run so he would come onto the ball at that perfect angle where he can curve it first time. And it wasn't even his touch that he was timing. He was timing Daniel James's touch, which is an unbelievable, unbelievable, like soccer IQ is it's off the charts there uh, to do that and finish first time. What a finish it was too. Like that, that's yeah. something special. And I was, again, I was happy to see Daniel James get his goal because I thought that moment that I think Daniel James, he was really excited for that moment to, to kind of break it on goal before he saw Bruno Fernandez tuck his goal away. But yeah, that that fourth goal by Daniel James, sharp angle. I like how he's going for a goal, honestly. And I think we saw that early in his United career, he wasn't afraid to try it. And it worked out for him a couple of times. So keep keep doing it. And sometimes, you know, you have to be selfish at this level. Now, before we hand out some awards, I do want to shout out that 64th minute goal where United had effectually, effectively clinched the match. Rashford gets his goal. We criticize his finishing. He does get a goal there. Nice, tidy finish. But what a ball for Fred. Fred. I mean, I have never seen him play a through ball Fred. like that. Again, Sociedad playing their part with the way they were <laughs> defending. But credit to Fred, man. I, I just, I had no idea that was in his bag. <laughs> yeah, speaking of like, you know, we were talking about Harry Maguire and them, him sort of coming into the fold here and cementing his spot. What about Fred and cementing his spot with Manchester United long-term? Like, he was, what, a 40 million pound transfer, 40 million euro transfer that was, obviously didn't mm-hmm. live up to expectations his first year, but he's really grown in, into a Premier League player and a Premier League midfielder. He, you know what you're getting out of Fred, game in, game out. He's, he's someone that other teams are starting not to play, want to play against, and He's formed an incredible relationship there in the middle with Scott McTominay. And it, it's great to see these types of, you know, added bonuses for me almost to, 
a through ball like this from Fred or a goal or, you know, whenever he chips in offensively, because I think he does so much in between, you know, the whistles and he's a box to box midfielder, 25, 26 years old. So big piece of United's future again, Fred uh, and uh, that ball is, is, is something he'll, I think he'll remember tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think we'll all remember that for a while because we might not see another one like it for a while. (laughs) But, you know, again, it speaks to the trust that he and Scott had developed that every time United have a key match, guess who Solskjaer turns to in front of that defense? It's Fred and Scott. Mm-hmm. You think about long term, whatever happens with Pogba, it's nice to know that you have that insurance. And it's nice to see Scott McTominay also get more involved from an attacking front because guess what? When you go up against those big teams, those quality teams, you can't have two defensive midfielders that offer you nothing right. on an attacking front. So those opportunities where Scott is getting forward, is playing with just a bit more sharpness and getting the ball into the right areas, into the final third, instead of just making those lateral passes, that's going to bode well for their partnership long term. Now, as I say, it's really important because in, in that central midfielder, like if one's going, you have to trust that your other partner is going to be there behind you to, to stay back and support. You don't want to get both people get caught off the field. And, you know, Fred's a, a mobile midfielder. And if, you know, if you're Scott McTominay, you're probably a little bit hesitant at first when you're first playing beside Fred. But again, testament to the relationship that they've been able to develop. And now that you're seeing the, the end result of that. And that's, like you said, McTominay getting forward and even Fred getting forward a little bit. For sure. All right, let's hand out some awards. The first one is probably the easiest one that we'll hand out, the Cantona Collar. Pretty comfortable a win for Bruno here? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I said, build the guy a statue. <laughs> <laughs> like we talk about the two goals, but he could have had a few assists, right? Again, the, the, the chance that he set up for Rashford, the chance that he set up for Scott, uh, and then in the 80th minute, he said uh, he had that other ball that he laid off to Daniel James. Obviously, Daniel James, one, uh, one with the keeper, couldn't finish that one, but he could have had a hat trick of assists too. Yeah, and it's crazy because I feel like that's almost like every game for Bruno Fernandes now because he's just producing game in, game out. He's hit, a, he's hit another level. We saw um, when he first came in, he was doing really, really well. And then he sort of plateaued a little bit. He, there was a little bit of question marks as he kind of, you know, has his stay kind of worn on him and has, has the rest of the team sort of rubbed off in him. And now we're seeing that reinvigorated Bruno that we saw when he was first arriving. It's fun if you're a United fan, like I said. <laughs> and mm-hmm. again, I, you could give some love to Harry Maguire at the back for the job that he did. Uh, Marcus Rashford as well. Dean Henderson with the clean sheet. But yeah, Bruno, Bruno wins this one for sure. Now, the Beckham boot is up for debate because, again, you had so many strong United performances. It's hard to really give anyone a kick in the behind. So I'm actually going a different way. I'm going to give it to Sociedad manager, Emmanuel Alguacil, because, again, I just thought he came out with the wrong tactics, basically set his team up to fail. I know it's a really unfortunate situation where Sociedad aren't able to play at home and they have to play in Turin. And I think it's really unfair that they're in a situation where they've given up for away goals when they're playing at a neutral venue. I really think there's got to be a rethink there. Any team that doesn't get to play at home for their home fixture, yeah. it's got to, you just got to take away the away goals rule. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I mean, why is it why is it even in place if you're not playing in your own home? 
Like, it should just be an e- worth the same amount if you're playing both games at, at the same, you know, standard, the same under the same regulations. So, um, yeah, on on board with either. I think they should eliminate that. But from United standpoint, three away goals, four away goals today. I'll, I'll take it. Right. Um, <laughs> in terms of the Becca boot, though, I'm actually gonna I'm gonna hand it out, and I'm gonna give it to Anthony Martial. Mm, talk to me. Yeah, we we can talk about Martial for sure. I, there's a standard that the rest of the squad has 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 been setting, and I don't think that he has sort of been up to that standard. I think when he was again, we can go back to when he was first purchased. Like he he came over with really high expectations. He started really well, and he was on this trajectory. And I think now I don't know how good Anthony Martial can get. I'm not sure how high his ceiling is anymore. I don't think it's, it's as high as what it was when I when he first arrived. Now, can he still be a, a very capable Premier League player, very capable player for Manchester United? Absolutely. Is he that that star winger, that that star number nine that we we have craved? That that's tough. What I will say is that I like that. Edison Cavani is around to kind of show him the ropes a little bit of, of being a, a true number nine. But for me, Anthony Martial, he's he's a player that's a hybrid between a winger and a striker. And unless you're someone like Marcus Rashford, that's a tough spot. And what I mean by that is unless you you have that stature and you have the or you're really good at, at doing one thing. If you're a really good dribbler and you're really good, you're really pacey, you can get away with being a winger. He doesn't have he has pace. But he doesn't have that blistering pace. Is he a good dribbler? He's a fine dribbler. Is he a good finisher? He's an he's an alright finisher. He's fine finisher. He just doesn't do anything that's excellent. And I think that's where where I'm stuck at right now. Are there other players that perhaps have a higher ceiling that United can go out and get? Perhaps, perhaps. And I think that's my take on Anthony Martial. No, I'm I'm with you uh, in terms of where I stand on Martial because you know I think there's a question to be asked. You look at what he did last season with the 17 goals, 23 overall, 17 in the league. Mm-hmm. And people look at that. Anytime Marshall gets criticized, people who vouch for Anthony Marshall say, look, look, that's what he's capable of. Why would you give up on that? And for me, I was like, at some point, you have to recognize that maybe that was the aberration. And what we've seen every season outside of that is what we should be expecting because last year was phenomenal. That set the expectations coming into this year, which is why he had this starting striker role coming in. But Cavani, in the few opportunities that he got early on, he showed that he's the best striker at the club. And that's why when he's fit, when he's healthy, he missed out on this match because he was injured. That's why he got to play. Van de Beek, unlucky again. You know, this, especially with Paul Pogba out, this is a chance for him to make an impression. He gets hurt, so he can't play in this match. So I think for Marshall, his days as a striker are certainly numbered and I definitely think his best positions are out wide where if he were to move there, he's playing behind Marcus Rashford. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how things play out with him. Final award, the noisy neighbor. Uh, who's your pick for Real Sociedad's best player? In the midfield, uh, like they had a lot of former Premier League players, which I thought was is just really <laughs> funny about this the Sociedad team. Um, random players, but I'm gonna go. And they and, had Monreal, Nacho Monreal in the back. Yeah, I know. Once I saw that, I was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> um, but I'm gonna go with a former Premier League player, and it's it's actually Mikel Moreno. 
He's he's only 24 years old, and I actually thought he 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 brought some strength in the midfield. He with combined with his mobility, he showed that he was a capable passer. Um, and I thought if there were better pieces around him, I think there could be something there. So I'm gonna give him some love, and he he had a tough job today with how how much he had to press and how much ground he had to cover. He was playing in the central midfielder there, so he had to go box to box. And with the amount that the game was going back and forth, that that's a ton of ground that you got to cover. So um, obviously he he came out on on the losing side of things, but I'll still give him some love because I, I did see some potential there. Again, he only 24 years old. Yeah, I think that's a good shout. I thought Marino was really good within the context of what he was asked to do. There's only so much he can do in terms of controlling the result. I thought the other player that w- would have been in the running for me is Isak. I thought you know, he really made that backline work. And again, if it wasn't for some crucial interventions from Harry Maguire at the right time, he could have had a couple of goals in the bag or at least a couple of really good chances. Mm-hmm. And as a striker... That's all you can do, right? You can constantly probe, constantly make runs and try to get in and around. And I thought he did everything that was asked for him. So he, I, I think those two were probably Sociedad's best players, their standouts. Shout out uh, Adnan Yanuzai, <laughs> the former United boy making a good impression. Yeah, no, good shout. He was he was a threat all game, right? He, he was, you had to be wary of him for sure. And there are a few times where he, he made us worried. So definitely a good shout there. You are the guest, so I will lean uh, your way, and I think we can hand it to Marino with this one. <laughs> courteous, courteous guy. <laughs> of course, man. Appreciate you coming on. To finish off, let's just look ahead to Feb 21st. United will take on Newcastle. Of course, uh, Steve Bruce will be up to his old tricks, but what what are you expecting from United in that, in that match, especially coming off this high? And that's what it is, right? They, they're coming off the side and they got to keep it going. And that's that's what my expectation is. What will <laughs> the reality be? That's probably a different story, right? Um, again, it's three points or, or nothing at this point. They're 10 points back with, what, like 15 games left, something like that. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's winter bust at this point, especially against a team like Newcastle. What type of changes do you think we'll see in that fixture? Obviously, David De Gea will come back in mm-hmm. for Dean Henderson, it being a league fixture. You know Lindelof's coming back in. You, you've got Lindelof coming back? Yeah, I, th- I think with a short notice, we'll probably see L- Lindelof Eric back. Eric can not, only play once much every three weeks, right? He's got to yeah. get the rest in between, <laughs> make sure his, his body's good to go. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, I, I think you've got the usual suspects of... Uh, Harry Maguire, Erwan Bissaka, and Luke Shaw probably yeah. returning. Yeah. The midfield, would you still lean towards uh, the two CDMs uh, against the Newcastle side, or do you prefer to maybe be a bit more attacking? Yeah, I mean, that's that's going to be an interesting one because there were, I mean, I think, rumors that Scott McTominay was a little bit banged up before mm-hmm. this. You know, I think that's uh, why he came off uh, with the 60 minutes, so, right? Yeah, maybe they got him that extra bit of rest so he could start, but if not, then I'd, I'd we, we said it, man. I want to see our boy Donny Vanderbeek kind of play in that midfield <laughs> with uh, maybe even like a, alongside of Fred. And he does need that one holding midfielder, I think, next to him just to, you know, he can't play a, he can't play a central midfield position. He usually plays that Bruno Fernandez position. Um, mm-hmm. But if you're going to play, incorporate both into the side, uh, I think now's the time to do it with Paul Pogba out and McTominay a little banged up. With that being said, expect to see an Imagine Matic starting. <laughs> 
You're you're expecting Matic? I hope not. I hope not. But I'm I'm expecting to see Matic. Anytime I see Matic <laughs> starting, I don't know. The piece inside of me dies a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I actually lean towards seeing Fred and Scott together again. I think you know taking him off at the 60 minute mark was more you know let's make sure he's healthy for the Newcastle fixture. And then I think the other thing that might play into Solshire's mind now is knowing that he can go into this Newcastle fixture hard, but with the 4-0 result in the bag, the 25th is not so important now. You can get right. guys a rest uh, for that match, for that return fixture against Sociedad. Good point. So I, I feel like we might see Fred and Scott together again. I think Bruno is obviously going to be there. The only potential change... Is it, is it a game you rest Bruno? But no, but like you said, like they have that Sociedad game where you can just rest Bruno, right? Exactly right. So I think that I think that's where maybe now you're looking at Van de Beek and saying, okay, you know what? Take the Newcastle match off, get yourself fully fit, and then we'll see you against Sociedad. Yeah, because after that they have Chelsea the next weekend, and that yeah. that's obviously you know you know how big of a match that is. You don't have to hype that up anymore. And a different Chelsea side now with Thomas Tuchel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that Newcastle that Newcastle fixture is a really important one actually. Now that we talk about it a little bit more just because they do have that leeway with that, that match next week. I really, yeah, I really need them to come out and, and you know, rest, <laughs> put, put our worries aside and, you know, come out with the performance. The only real change we'll see up top is Daniel James coming out. Yeah. If Cavani is fit, I think we'll see Cavani in there. If not, I won't be surprised if Marshall comes back into the side. What about Mason Greenwood? Do you think he's, he's back into the, the starting 11 next game? I think so. I feel like the last few weeks, Mason Greenwood's been really good. Yeah, and agreed. I think in terms of form, he might actually be right there in terms of the most in-form striker United have. Because Rashford, again, I mentioned his finishing. It was it was a solid performance overall. Mm-hmm. Cavani, I think, has dipped a little bit from the highs that he had earlier in the season. Marshall obviously is at the bottom of the total pole. Yeah. <laughs> so I think just based on current form right now, he's right up there with anyone. And so I would definitely have him in the starting lineup. Yeah, no, it, it's a fair shot. I just wonder how much rotation goes into it because he did almost go the full 90 today. And I don't think it's very mm-hmm. often you see Mason Greenwood go the full 90 if you go back to probably his track record. Probably very rare. So I wonder how much that plays into it. But if, hey, if Mason's hit that point where he can become a starter for this team every week, I'm all for it because the sky is the limit for this kid. I've said it earlier on the podcast. We saw what Anandianasai is at 26. We saw how different of a player he is. Imagine Mason Greenwood in just two years. You know, it's just yeah. it's so exciting to think about. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, it's exciting. A lot of these players, same same thing. But yeah, in terms of the future, I say play Greenwood against Newcastle and let's get a full look at Amadiello oh, baby. in mean. the second leg. Because he's got the cushion of the 4-0. Why not give him a full start? See what he can do. Uh, he had a couple bright moments here when he came on and made his debut. There was that one run where he made uh, down that left side. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, just when he got to the box, he had that bad touch and the ball got away from him. But I would love to see him get a start against Real Sociedad in the next in the, in the second leg. That would be a treat for, for United fans. And honestly, I'd want to tune into that game a little bit more than, than perhaps even the Newcastle game coming up because anytime and I could see like the young guns, I, I get so excited for it because I honestly think United should have the best or you know, at least up there with the best up and coming youngsters. So if they can incorporate that that hybrid 
of you know youngsters coming through while still competing that's the that's the goal um so there's kind of two sides to to, to that thinking and hey uh it's an exciting time again for for manchester united fans no doubt michael i want to thank you again for joining me for this one obviously you do great work at wakingthered.com you're still doing your great work for raptors gc uh where else if, if any can people find your work uh man i think that that's pretty much it right now but yeah follow me on twitter because I'm, I'm on the tfcb throne of cb so at michael sing 94 yeah there you, you go thanks for the plug man i appreciate you uh you know spreading my word gotta show the love appreciate you coming on Anytime. that's gonna wrap it up for this episode a reminder we are on twitter and instagram at red couch banks if you enjoy the show Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Join us after every match. Reviews, ratings are all appreciated. Hit us up on social. On behalf of Carl, who's not here, but Carl, Michael, (laughs) and myself, thank you for listening to Red Couch Makes.